Forgive us our trespasses. Welcome to episode 42 of Anglican Catechesis, where we're learning to follow Jesus on the Anglican way. Today we'll be covering questions 193 through 198 in To Be a Christian in Anglican Catechism, the official catechism of the Anglican Church in North America. I'm Father Kurt Hine, Rector of Light of Christ Anglican Church in Georgetown, Texas, joined today by my co-catechist, Isaac Rayberg, Father Isaac Rayberg, Rector of All Saints Anglican Church in San Antonio, Texas. But before we begin, let's uh, let's start with prayer. This is Proper 21. O merciful Lord, grant to your faithful people pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Ghost, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I think I did that same thing last time I used this prayer, where I uh, slipped into my uh, my my older English with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, that's the one we have memorized, right? It's like that's right. If you do morning prayer, evening prayer. And you're doing it, you know, daily. You, that one's stuck in your head. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's good. It's a good prayer to have in your head. It is. It really is. So, Isaac, question 193, what is this fifth petition? The fifth, peti the fifth petition is, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Okay. So, and so, 194, what is a trespass? A trespass is a sin, a thought, word, or deed which offends God's holy character and violates his law, missing the mark of his will and expectations. Let's talk a little bit about this. Yeah, it seems, I mean, one thing I've heard people ask is like, okay, so when I'm doing the liturgy, I say trespasses, but when I'm reading it in Matthew, it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then when I read it in Luke, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've, who've sinned against us. So um, trespasses, sins, debts. Um, what's the so, difference? Yeah, what's the difference? Well, basically, there's a long answer to this and a short answer, and I'll give you the short answer. The short answer is that Jesus uses all three words to mean basically the same thing. But they're slightly different different flavors, if you will, of the of the of the same ice cream. Um, the idea here with sin is to miss the mark. Originally, in an archery term, so mm -hmm. you can think about sin. You know, God wants your life to be directed a certain way, and it's you misdirect it. it you, you misdirect it away from loving Him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So it's misdirected life, like an arrow. That's sin. Trespass is another metaphor for the same idea which is to make a wrong step, right? We think of um, trespassing on someone's property, right? You're making many, mm -hmm. many wrong steps <laughs> into a place you shouldn't be. Um, don't do that here in Texas. <laughs> you, yeah, might, you, might, you might get shot in here yeah, in Texas. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I think of Pilgrim's Progress, right? Where they're they're constantly wandering off, right? The, the trail. Yeah, they, um, and they get imprisoned by giant despair because they were trespassers. Yep, yep. So trespass is this other metaphor for, you know, life as a quest, as a journey, and we have a destination, you get off the path, um, you're trespassing. And then the third idea of debts, right, is to be liable because of something you've done, um, financially or otherwise. And so you can see with that, well, we've done certain things, um, destroying um, and damaging, rather, 
others and ourselves and the world that God has placed us in such that um, we, we are liable for that, right? We're liable yeah. for that. And, and so these, these three, these three different words help give us a fully orbed understanding of what sin is. And um, as, as the catechism here says, um, it's, it's, it offends God's character or violates his law. So God is the one who determines what is the right goal, what is the right path, um, what it is that we owe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not subjective. It's, it's based on God's will. You know, we, we, we talked about the earlier petition of praying for God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, um, and it rightly points out here in the, in the catechism that this can be thought word or deed. Yes. Um, so we, we do recognize sins of thought, um, as well as sins of word and sins of deed. All of these things are, are, are subject to God's law. And so God's law can be violated in all these things. Yeah. And, and this is one way, this is, it's a true way of looking at it. You know, you think of God's law as a, as a, as a direct, as a, as directives for your life. And if you don't follow those directives, then you've sinned. But also I think it's important to understand that directives are rooted in God's character and the way that he made the world. Yeah, that's right. God's law is never arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. These aren't arbitrary rules that, you know, your, I don't know, a bad elementary school teacher came up with so they can make your life miserable or something like that. No, these are, these are rooted in reality. God made things such that they operate in certain ways efficiently and properly and beautifully and and flourish. And he expresses that in his law. The law is an expression of that reality. And when you don't live your life according to that pattern, then um, there are consequences. (laughs) There are negative consequences to those behaviors. Yeah. Even, even in the old Testament, we look, when we look at the ceremonial or civil aspects of the law, those things that um, are, are not, or not necessarily binding in a new covenant context. There, there is a reason for it. God's not just uh, flipping a coin and setting up something arbitrary. Um, we not, might not see some of those reasons as clear as we'd like to, um, but, th- but there are always reasons. Yeah, there are. And it's, you know, I think about my kids. I give them lots of rules, and I'm sure to them, they, many of them appear quite arbitrary. Um, why can't I do this or do that? But there are good reasons. You know, there, there's a reason you, I don't want you playing in the front lawn without me there watching you because the front lawn is right next to a very busy street where people are constantly speeding and not paying attention. You know, and I know that when a little boy kicks a ball into the into the street, he's not first thinking about the cars. Right. right? right. So he doesn't see all of that. He just needs to right. obey right now, but eventually he'll see. And I think in our walk with God, it's like that, you know, we just need to obey, right? Case closed. But also, it's good to work to understand the why behind these commands that God has given us, because there there are really good reasons for them. Yeah, and it, it often takes maturity to see those. It does. It takes time. So, so, yeah. so then 195, do you sin against God's law? No. I mean, yes, I mean... <laughs> 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 yes i do <laughs> uh no, i've reached perfection i didn't know if you, if you knew that Isaac, but yeah I, i'm perfect so we're getting to the extreme forms of wesleyanism here 
yes, I, together with all humankind, sin daily against God's law in thought, word, and deed, both by what I do and by what I fail to do. But as we say, by what I've done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. Um, that's what we confess in our confession of sin in morning prayer. In, in, in categorizing the uh, six, the, uh, the the laws in the Torah, the rabbis kind of enumerate as 613 laws, but then they further say, okay, some of those are positive laws and some of those are negative laws. And there's some symbolism behind the numbers. I don't remember that off the top of my head, but um, there are thou shalts and there are thou shalt nots. And it's as much of a sin to not do the thou shalt as it is to do the thou shalt nots. And, you know, James, the apostle James tells us that, that him who knows what he ought to do and doesn't do it to him, it is sin. That's right. Right. So, yeah, I think we can have a very small, um, wrong headed idea of what sin is. Mm -hmm. And we like to do that because then that makes it so that we can be better people in our own minds. Anyway, I didn't commit adultery. Right. And then we define adultery in whatever we in some in what way in the way that excludes us right yeah, <laughs> from yeah. from that we're like well adultery means i actually you know sleep with her in this way da, 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 and she has to be married and all of this and then jesus is like actually no if you intend if you have in your heart you are lusting after this person right in your heart you're going there in your mind you violated the commandment right yeah um and this is this is what we do as sinners, right? We want to we want to either make up our own rules that we can follow. You know, I'm a good Christian because I I don't dance or drink or go out with girls that do. Or we take God's commands and we reframe them in a nice, tidy way, so that um, my life is like pretty good, man. I'm, yeah, I don't sin every day, just maybe every week or month or you know. Yeah, the, the essence of legalism is to um, redefine God's law so that you can keep it one way or the other. Mm, good. And um, yeah, yeah, and then that's uh, yeah, and 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 how often is that done at the expense of of our, of our brothers too? You know, I want to put myself in the best light and put other people in the worst light so I can feel good about myself. Um, right. you know, that's that's a problem too. Well, it's missing the purpose of God's law. Right. The ultimate purpose of like. God's law is to bring us to Christ, Paul tells us. Yeah. And, and you know, we're hard-headed enough that we, we read all of the Old Testament and we still don't get that. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, God's people fail again and again and again and again. This is why Jesus Christ had to came into, come into the world, Paul tells us, to save sinners. None of us are excluded from that. Yep. And, and so we have to realize that the first use of God's law is to reveal really our situation it's not good it shows the sinfulness of sin yeah, drives us to christ for mercy yeah so question 196 what is god's forgiveness because we need it amen god's forgiveness is his merciful pardon of sin and removal of the guilt that results from our disobedience yeah, so we have both the pardon and the removal of guilt. Um, it's it's not a good thing to accept the pardon, but then to hang on to that that guilt in kind of a subjective sense. Um, 
that happens a lot. You know, we 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 have a theological term for that, scrupulosity. Um, and the prayer book says if that's where you're at, you need to go to your priest so your priest can give you the gospel again <laughs> and yeah. again and again. <laughs> yeah. God did not create Adam and Eve so that they would obey him out of a deep sense of guilt and shame. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> God, God wants to free us. And this is what forgive. The word forgive literally means to loose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So God wants to loose us from that guilt and shame. And so there's a, it's, we're not, it's not that we're shameless, incapable of shame. We still need to feel shame and guilt when we do wrong things. But we're free from shame, meaning that the, we know how to bring that shame and guilt to the cross and let Jesus carry it. Yeah. Right? Just the, the reason we, it's actually counterintuitive, but the reason we, we think, oh, we're so humble because we're following Jesus from shame and guilt. Oh, how humble am I? It's actually pride. Right. It's right. actually saying Jesus and, and God becoming human and dying in such a horrible way, a bloody mess on the cross was actually not enough to take away my shame and guilt. I still have to atone for my own shame and guilt. I mean, that's what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And that, that's, that's, oh, that's such a terrible, such a terrible place to be. Um, I, I'm reminded of in second Corinthians when uh, St. Paul talks about contrast, the, uh, the godly sorrow, that leads to repentance uh, versus the worldly sorrow that leads to death. And I mean, those, those, those guilt and shame spirals, if we can, if we cling to that, that ultimately does lead to death. Yeah. And to make it real simple, when, we, when you feel the guilt, when you feel the shame, when God's law comes and reveals, you know, some corner of your heart, or maybe right, maybe it's right in the middle of the living room, <laughs> some giant mess, right? some dung that's just sitting there. What do you do with it? Well, it's meant for you to go to the cross again. That's right. And give it to Jesus. Actually, it's to realize he's already taken it. So let him loose you. Open up your hand. Give it to him. Stop clinging to it. Meditate yeah. on what Jesus did for you on the cross. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a sense of, there, you know, the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sins, but one of the things that the devil likes to do is try to uh, uh, dr pile on the guilt. Mm -hmm. And so when you're feeling sorry for your sins, how do you know whose voice you're listening to? Well, the Holy Spirit's conviction will send you to the cross, send you to God to, to take care of business. And whereas the guilt from the enemy will make you want to run and hide. Yeah. And yeah. Um, either way, you know, as, as a Christian, you know, go to the cross, <laughs> even yeah. if it's, if you're, if you're want, wanting to run and hide, don't do it. Right. Go to your priest so that you can hear those words. The Holy spirit, you know, when the, when the Holy talking, we talked about this last week, the Holy spirit, right. Is the good gift that God gives his children. And if That's you look right. in the book of acts, the Holy spirit, when he comes, when the Holy spirit comes down on people, he always gives them boldness, courage. And it takes courage to confess your sin, um, especially in front of someone else. And so, uh, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. If you have the courage to go and confess a sin, a shame, a guilt that's on your heart to, to your priest and, and then, and hear the words of forgiveness 
that, that, that are, that are spoken over you and receive that. That's the Holy spirit. Satan will take, will point out that same sin, but he'll use it. What, well, what, what does a, a wolf do right with a sheep in order to kill it? It's, it's, he's got to figure out a way to get him away from the flock. Right. And so Satan is always trying to take that and, and use it as leverage to isolate you further and further away from others and further and further away from truth and the light. That's, that's how you know the difference. So, all right. So let's see, did we just talk about, we're just on 196 here still? So yeah, we just finished. Yeah, we're on 196. Yes. Okay. So then 197, what is, on what basis do you ask forgiveness? All right. I ask God, our loving father to forgive me through his son, Jesus Christ, who bore my sins upon the cross so that through faith and baptism, I can receive his righteousness. Yeah, Jesus paid the price so that we could be forgiven. And when we're united to him by faith and baptism, um, that, that is how we receive that forgiveness. We receive his righteousness. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's through faith. It's through trusting him. And um, it's through, as the reformer said, that open hand of faith. Like a beggar, we receive this free gift yeah. from him. It's um, And this is a... This is a central part of the gospel, and we should not forget it. Believe and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the proclamation of the gospel that Peter gives on the day of Pentecost. Yep. So any, you know, how, how, how can I say this here? We just got done talking about how justice is super important. So I'm not saying that it's not, and so don't misinterpret what I'm saying here. But sometimes we can lose in the church the understanding of how central forgiveness is. And when that happens, um, things really start getting wonky. Um, forgiveness has to be central to our message and, and the way that we proclaim the gospel, along with all the ramifications of the gospel for how we live and treat others but we can't forget this, this crucial part of forgiveness. Yeah. Cause but part of God's perfect justice is to show me how I need forgiveness, how much I need mercy because I'm not living according to his perfect justice. Right. And that realization is what enables me to forgive my enemy. That's right. Which we'll talk about next week. Yes. Um, <laughs> we will. Uh, one more, I guess here before we are done with this, 198. Isaac, does God forgive your sins? Yes. In Christ, God freely forgives the sins of all, including me, who sincerely repent and in true faith turn to him. Well, that's right out of the absolution from our liturgy. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Um, you know, repent meaning to to rethink and turn around, right? Mm -hmm. um, where we've, we, we realize that there's a problem that it needs to be fixed. So we go to God to have him fix it. Um, we realize that we're going the wrong way. And so by God's grace, he turns us around, um, turning to him in, in, in true faith and true trust. Yeah. I think about it like this, like this glass here, right? If God's grace and mercy is like the rain, 
falling from the sky, right? We're like this, we're like an upside down glass. And his, his grace and mercy is there and he's freely giving it, but it's bouncing off, mm -hmm. right? But there's a need for us to turn from our selfishness, to turn from our self-sufficiency, right? To trust with that open hand. And then, then we can receive what he's giving us from above, that forgiveness, that mercy, that grace. So praise the Lord. It's a free gift. It's not earned. It can't be earned. Yeah. It's given to us for free. Yeah, it wouldn't be forgiveness if we could earn it. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Anglican Catechesis, where we're learning to follow Jesus on the Anglican way. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a comment below. You can also take Anglican Catechesis with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. You can find the link in the YouTube description. Lord willing, we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit.